Good morning. Let's get straight to markets. Take a look at the impact for the indices. Factual. Succinct. All you need to know before your trading day starts. Subscribe to our newsletter, CNBC's Daily Open. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the world of tech. I'm Tom Chitty and with me is CNBC's senior tech correspondent Arjun Karpal. So, $69 billion. That's how much a gaming company is worth these days. After almost two years of regulatory challenges, Microsoft has made the biggest purchase in its 48-year history by acquiring Activision Blizzard, the makers of popular video games such as Call of Duty and Crash Bandicoot. Remember that one? This week's episode, we'll be looking at how one regulator, just one, held up this unprecedented deal, how it eventually got over the line, and what this means for the almost $200 billion gaming market. Beyond the Valley. Some big news stories this week. One about jeans, actually, that caught my eye. Uh, that's been my favourite. The Levi CEO uh, speaking and talking about how often you should wash your jeans. I didn't realise the amount of times you wash your jeans is quite a, a topic of heated debate. Well, I, I could hear from over the other side of the office that it was causing quite a lot of... Um ruckus so i'm i'm on the sort of wash your jeans less frequently side of the debate because you know they could get out of shape they could lose color etc the levi ceo however came out and said if you are going to wash your jeans you know don't throw them in the washing machine um you know if there's a little mark on them spot clean them maybe with a cloth or something like that but if they're really gross he said you need to wear your jeans and shower in them and apply soap to them just as you you'd soap your body but do that with your jeans on. So shower in your jeans. But how do you get you sort of clean your your bits? Yeah, I mean, I don't because if your jeans are done up, oh, I mean, are you pulling your jeans down then? Yeah, then I think you have to sort of wash your jeans first, wearing them in the shower, right. and then take them off, and then you know, I feel like have a normal it, shower. I feel like if my wife came in and saw me wearing jeans in the shower, that might. I might be going to the doctors. It'd raise some eyebrows. Yeah. Uh, it certainly would. So anyways, that's, you know, they're a bit, that, look, Levi's very big, obviously, jean company. That's what they've their whole history is about yeah. and their whole company is about. So if there's anyone who's going to know about washing jeans, it's the CEO of Levi's. Well, and also just to clarify why it was one of our most read stories this uh, last week. So, yeah. Um, yeah, people want to know this stuff. This is key information. Absolutely. Um, you know, I guess, you know, I know this is a tech podcast and everything, but we're welcome to all kind of views and, and ideas and topics from everybody. Absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, later in the episode, uh, once we get into our main story, um, we'll also be discussing Ferrari, which now accepts payment in cryptocurrency. And Tim Cook made a surprise visit to an Apple store in Chengdu, China, uh, where a Tencent gaming tournament was taking place. We'll talk a bit about that. And just to remind our listeners that if you have any questions on what we've discussed this week or past episodes, then email beyondthevalley at cnbc.com and we will answer them right here on the podcast. Before we get into our main story, we have, of course, got to hear Arjun's stat of the week. 
31 million units. That's the number. Right, I'm going to write it down yeah. just because, you know, then I can sort of look at it and think about it and get it right this week because last week didn't go very well. 31 million units. And of course, we, we try to relate it to, to the things we're going to be talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. All right. We'll get to that uh, at the end of the episode. Uh, let's return to our main story, though. In January 2022, Microsoft made a proposal to buy Activision Blizzard, the maker of hit games such as Call of Duty. It took nearly two years to close the deal, mainly because the UK's markets regulator fiercely opposed the deal. Arjun, why did this go on for so long? It's just been a whirlwind of a story, Tom. You know, you mentioned there 2022 was when Microsoft first proposed this acquisition. We're now in October 2023, uh, and it's just being closed uh, now. The reason is the regulators had a number of concerns. Now, when I say regulators, I'm talking more broadly about the UK, the European Union, and um, the US, the Federal Trade Commission in the US. And they all had similar concerns at the start. And the biggest one was that if Microsoft buys Activision, it could take Activision's hit titles like Call of Duty and effectively make them exclusive on Microsoft platforms. Currently, you know, you can play uh, Call of Duty on a PC or on Sony's PlayStation and, of course, on Microsoft Xbox as well. Um, and so there's various platforms to do it. But the regular is concerned that what, what Microsoft would do is make those games exclusive and thereby potentially reduce competition um, in the market. And that's why there was such opposition. But the, the, reg the chat amongst regulators became a bit more nuanced than that. Obviously, right now we're in a world where consoles and mobile gaming dominates, right? Um, the likes of PlayStation, Xbox, and of course the Nintendo Switch as well are all out there. Consoles, quite a big thing. But of course, mobile gaming is huge as well uh, across the world. But the regulators started to focus on a new area of gaming that's emerging called cloud gaming. Now, this is the idea that you could effectively stream games just as you would stream uh, a show on, on your favorite streaming service. So like, you no longer go into a, a video gaming store and buy a... A, a disc for that and we're now into the cloud gaming uh, as we are in streaming uh, exactly that and, and take it further you no longer need to buy a console potentially right so you could uh, have your tv just a tv or a mobile phone or, or a pc for example uh, and just stream games um off an app uh, and so that could remove the need for expensive hardware like an xbox or a playstation maybe you just buy a sort of controller that hooks up to your tv and then you could stream games without having to buy them and download them um that seems to be a future that that many businesses are talking about and so when the regulators looked at this deal they said well this is such an underdeveloped and young market right now we don't know how this is going to play out all we know that there's the potential for this to grow rapidly if Microsoft is able to buy Activision and make all these games exclusive, they could really gain a foothold and, and a tight grip on this cloud gaming market before it even takes off. Uh, and that was one of the big concerns um, with, with, with the deal from regulators. I mean, when we talk about the numbers, though, the, the $69 billion, I mean, that is a hell of a lot of money. I, just to just give you a comparison, so... Over the weekend, after this story broke, I was like, well, what, what other big acquisitions have happened in tech? Well, what about uh, Facebook or uh, Meta, as they're now known, uh, buying Instagram? They bought Instagram for a billion dollars, which is now roughly two billion dollars in today's money. We're talking about basically a gaming company that has, let's be honest, this one big game, Call of Duty, $69 billion. How's that happened? I think... A lot of shareholders are asking the same question. Um, look, Microsoft's a company that's flush with cash. 
Uh, and clearly it feels that it needs to do something big if it's going to be successful in gaming going forward. Now, if you look at the market, right, um, Microsoft really has struggled over the past few years in terms of the content on its platforms. So you think about a Nintendo, right? You think of all the characters, right? You could probably name lots of them, Mario and the rest of them and Pokemon, etc. There's a ton of intellectual property and games and characters that Nintendo has first party that it that it manages to bring to the consoles, across mobile, across um, movies, whatever else. Then you think about Sony. Again, a ton of very strong games on its platform. Spider-Man, for example, and all the multiple other games that it has. Microsoft has struggled to really cultivate that first party titles, which is really content is king, right? You're going to buy a console or, or subscribe to a, a gaming service that has the best games. And that's the, the simple matter of it. And, and that's where Sony and Nintendo have been so successful. Microsoft hasn't been as successful in that area. And so Activision is key to that. And, you know, some may point to this and say, well, they're just paying way over the odds for this. And many shareholders have, many investors, I think, you know, aren't massively fond of the deal. But Microsoft is a company that that has billions of dollars of cash and spare and can can spend the money on that. And that's another reason I think the regulators raised eyebrows to this one. Again, it's 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 that theme, isn't it, of big companies with a lot of money uh, buying their way to growth, buying their way to dominant positions in markets. Uh, and I think that was one of the big concerns uh, among the regulators. How did then Microsoft ally the regulators' fears that this would reduce competition? in the gaming market. So the FTC uh, in the US, the Federal Trade Commission, they were opposed to this deal um, as they have been to big mega mergers. Uh, But effectively, um, a judge, uh, a court in the US stopped the FTC from blocking this deal. So that gave it effectively a green light in the US. Uh, Then the European Union also um, cleared the deal after Microsoft gave some concessions uh, to EU regulators. this was in the form of licensing deals, effectively. And um, what what it meant was that consumers who, who bought or, or will buy Activision games will actually be able to stream these titles on any cloud gaming platform of their choice. Uh, and Microsoft will also have to offer royalty-free licenses to cloud gaming platforms to stream Activision games if a consumer has purchased them. So that allays the fears around control of those games and... and, and um, the exclusivity issue. So that was the European Union regulators happy with that, green lighted the deal. The UK, however, was the staunchest critic of the deal. Microsoft at first offered um, the UK's Competition and Markets Authority, the main competitions regulator in the UK, similar deal to, to the EU, but the UK flat out rejected it and said, you know, this would allow Microsoft to set the terms of the market over the next 10 years. It also, uh, they, they also weren't, clear that Microsoft could uphold its end of the bargain too. And so the CMA said, no, this deal is not happening. And then once the FTC uh, had its challenge to the deal blocked by a court, the CMA, interestingly, um, came back to the table and said, OK, we're happy for Microsoft to resubmit a new deal. This is unprecedented. This is such an unusual step for a regulator. Um, it was almost as if they were flip-flopping at this point. And so Microsoft came back and proposed a brand new deal. Of course, it would have to offer way more concessions at this point than it already had done if the UK was to be on board with it. And it did. Effectively, the, the Microsoft deal gave a lot of concessions to the CMA. Uh, Microsoft now will not acquire the cloud streaming rights for existing Activision PC and console games 
or for new games released by Activision over the next 15 years. Instead, these rights will be divested to Ubisoft, which is a French gaming company um, who will effectively have the rights for these these Activision games and be able to go make business out of them. Yeah, which which is fascinating. Which, which is fascinating that, that Microsoft own that 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 company, but yet have no control over who they sell that game to or who it's licensed to. I mean, it's the crazy thing is, I guess, from the original intention of purchasing this company to now having to give up all of this ownership, you know, there will be question marks over whether that $69 billion price tag is still um, a good deal and whether actually this is going to make Microsoft competitive at all. And that's actually the question that our colleagues in the US asked the Activision CEO, Bobby Kotick, and this was his response. No, look, uh, we've they've given up a lot, um, but I think it will encourage competition. And you know, this gets back to the willingness of Microsoft to engage and listen and respond appropriately to the concerns of government. And interestingly, this whole process has been highly unusual. Uh, and to make it even more unusual, the CMA after the closing of the deal and after giving the green light actually went on to slam Microsoft in a statement, the CMA said, businesses and their advisors should be in no doubt that the tactics employed by Microsoft are no way to engage with the CMA. Microsoft had the chance to restructure during our initial investigation, but instead continued to insist on a package of measures that we told them simply wouldn't work. Dragging out proceedings in this way only wastes time and money. What a, what a response for the CMA. And of course, the Activision CEO, Bobby Kotick, had these words to say on that. Had we been able to better understand what the right structural remedies would have been, we, we might have been able to propose them sooner. But it was a learning process. And they were very thoughtful and they were very deliberate. And I think there's a legitimate reason. The UK is a really important country when it comes to gaming. It's a unique place. You have extraordinary, high-quality K-12 education. You have creative talent. You have technical talent. You have, you know, the home of European AI. You have companies like Sinclair, the BBC that pioneered computers. So you could understand why they were really careful and cautious about what the future of gaming and competition would be in their market. And I have to say, I was incredibly impressed every step of the way. They were thoughtful. They were deliberate. And could we have done some things differently? Possibly. But we got to a good result. So, so a highly unusual process, really, but that's how it got over the line. I did, uh, did enjoy watching that interview um, with Bobby Kotick because he looked like a man who was obviously very happy that it's, you know, it's been closed, that it's getting over the line. Uh, but it was also, a, it seemed like a, a big sense of relief as well that this has been quite a fraught process and you know there's i mean there's a hell of a lot of mudslinging going on here as well i was reading over the weekend that there's been widespread criticism from business leaders deal makers and legal advisors of the cma's approach to this deal you know what why why has this become such an a sort of antagonistic is it because the cma has got newfound confidence because it's you know, post-Brexit, it's now out on its own and it can sort of make these sort of big calls and has a bit more clout? I, th I think you're you're right, Tom. I think that's what it's about. It's the CMA trying to show it's got teeth, that it will regulate big tech where it sees fit uh, and that it's got that independence that it wants. And so it, it is, you know, hampering these global deals at this point. Who would have thought the UK would have been the, the one holding up this deal? 
And it, it's 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 amazing. Um, yeah, and and what does it mean for yeah future deals and and the relationship that that you know the CMA will have with with other tech companies? I think the other tenant of this deal is Microsoft is one of the world's biggest cloud computing companies, right? Which is different to Nintendo and Sony, which means or or may mean um, that. And I, I'm pretty sure this is amongst the thoughts of regulators too, and they were thinking about this, that actually it owns the infrastructure too to be able to then come out with a very competitive uh, service. Because, you know, clouds, cloud gaming, yes, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a huge amount on the content and the games, right? It's going to be a huge amount about what uh, companies offer, uh, what games they have, but also it's going to be about the experience, right? If you sign up to a cloud gaming service, that is it's terrible and you're having connection issues and, you know, your game's freezing halfway through streaming or it's buffering or something like that. You can imagine, you know, some of the issues people have these days with streaming stuff. Um, you know, the technology needs to catch up in terms of internet connection, in terms of the ability for these companies to, pro- to you know, provide games on demand. And I think, you know, Microsoft's in a strong position here because of the infrastructure it has with, with cloud computing. One thing I did read about um, in relation to the to the deal was that um, during the sort of negotiations, there was um, emails that came to light of Microsoft talking about uh, acquiring Nintendo, buying what is, you know, Japan's one of their most proud assets, whether the company would have ever sold is another thing. Um, but I think that just shows you how competitive the gaming market is. It is. Um, can you imagine that deal would have gone through? That would have been... Or, or, or Microsoft made an attempt to buy Nintendo. Because Nintendo is, is you know, it's it's a very unique company, I'd say, because of the, the actual intellectual property it has and the history of that. Inter- you know, Mario's been around for ages. You know, it spans, I think, my parents' generation into my generation and probably, you know, into our kids' generation too. And, and you know, Pokemon, uh, a very similar kind of thing. And so they've got this history and they've continued to build on it. So it's very unique. So Microsoft, different tact division would have not just been acquiring a gaming company, but certainly acquiring one with such a rich catalogue of, of characters and games too. Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear it from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on CNBC.com. Okay, so let's uh, find out what else is happening in the world of tech. Beyond the Valley. Ferrari, which now accept payment in cryptocurrency. Uh, you know, you think of crypto as a pretty volatile uh, currency, a pretty vol- volatile market, and also the environmental concerns around, um, around crypto. Uh, you know, obviously there was Tesla back in 2021. Uh, Elon Musk said, will accept Bitcoin to buy to buy our cars and then backtracked on that because of those environmental concerns. And now Ferrari said, yep, yeah, crypto, yeah, we'll take some. Yeah, I mean, there must be some demand for it. So this was a story in Reuters who, who interviewed the marketing and commercial chief of Ferrari, Enrico Galliera. Uh, and he, he said to them, um, some, some people who want to pay are young investors 
who have built their fortunes around crypto because this is cryptocurrency. So these crypto billionaires, millionaires. So it's, it's actually a, it's for them. It's not really for so. for sort of no. anyone. Else. I wouldn't buy a Ferrari in crypto because I I can't afford it personally, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have any crypto. So, yeah. uh, but but the the key here is I think Bitcoin has not proved itself as a, as a as a payments currency yet. Um, it's still got a lot of work to do. Um, it's often compared more to this idea of of, of gold, uh, where you kind of keep it and it's a hedge against risk and inflation and various other things. But I think it's you know proved itself yet to be a viable payment option. Clearly, this is a an interesting one because I think there are probably a few yeah crypto millionaires out there who'd like to buy a Ferrari, and this gives them uh, a little bit of a push. It's also a bit of interesting marketing, of course, as well. Um, so I don't think this is going to be, you know, huge in terms of the, the amount of Ferraris they sell, you know, being in cryptocurrency. And we're not about to see sort of Citroen, you know, accept crypto. Um, no. For, no, this yeah. is very much a for people that have made a lot of money on crypto and maybe That's they right. want and, to. And it's yeah. Ferrari, you know, these $200,000 euro yeah, up cars. Up to 2 million. Yeah. yeah. They're expensive. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it... If you buy in crypto, like you said, you know that that Ferrari might not be worth as much tomorrow, or it may be worth double tomorrow. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the, the other story we're going to talk about uh, was uh, Tim Cook in China. Tim uh, Cook in China. Yeah, yeah. Why, why is that a surprise? Why, why would people say, "Oh, it's surprising to see yeah. him in China" well, when they have Apple stores there? Well, usually when he goes to China, it's it's around some sort of government conference or or you know they're opening you know some new stores or or so, something like that you know something major is happening um this was sort of a, a video posted on uh the uh chinese social network weibo which is equivalent to twitter out there or, or x now um and he was there at a at an apple store where a number of people were were gaming um, playing Honor of Kings, which is a big title by the Chinese company Tencent, uh, and they were having like a gaming tournament exhibition. He was there cheering them on. Um, but I think it can't, the, the reason it's I think it's drawn a lot of attention is because the timing of it all. So Apple's just released the the iPhone 15 series, um, and there are some initial reports that it's not getting as good a reception in China. Uh, as perhaps expected. So CounterPoint Research, a market research firm, said uh, in a note that iPhone 15 series unit sales for the first 17 days of sales in China is down 4.5% uh, compared with the iPhone 14. Uh, and so uh, the demand is less than the previous generation, perhaps because the previous generation had a pretty strong showing. But also um, consumer sentiment is weak in China right now. There's more competition in the high end of the market where Apple's playing. And as we spoke about on a previous episode of Beyond the Valley, Huawei is trying to make a comeback. It's launched a high-end phone. Um, and it was interesting reading the comments under Tim Cook's post. Um, he posted another shot of, of a picture he took on an iPhone of a bridge. Uh, and many people were questioning, uh, oh, how would this look on a, on a rival phone? basically, right. uh, and, you know, uh, talking about Huawei and, 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 you know, there will be a little bit of a, a national kind mm. of support behind Huawei to some extent, and we've seen that in the past, and 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 it could have an impact on well, Apple. You, you've obviously, we've talked about, you, you lived in China for, for a few years. Um, what, what's the feeling, what's the 
the vibe around Apple and and it is a company, the products. Do, do, do Chinese people like it? Do they do, or is there a no? We need to sort of buy our, our our own product. They love Apple. They love Apple. It's seen as a as a luxury, aspirational kind of product. I think people really like it, and I think Tim Cook in the Chinese public's eyes, has done a good job of not being made out to look like some sort of big, bad American CEO. Yeah, too ag- not too aggressive. Not too aggressive, you know, uh, tries looks like he's trying to embrace, you know, local culture and um, also, you know, bringing out products that, that the Chinese consumer likes. Um, he's sort of stayed out broadly of the US-China trade and technology war he he's not seen too much to be taking aside either way uh so that i think has helped but of course there will be more broadly some support for huawei um as it tries to make a comeback from the local um population or some segments of the local population who feel that you know huawei's been unfairly treated uh, by the u.s government uh, and therefore you know they should perhaps do their bit by buying Huawei phones instead of Apple phones or, or other uh, non-Chinese brands. And so there is a little bit of that. Uh, again, you know, I don't want to overblow the story mm. in any way and mm. say, you know, Apple's sales have plunged or something like that. It's not It's not that. No. But clearly, uh, initial indications suggest that Huawei is gaining some support, that Apple's iPhone 15s perhaps aren't doing as well as the 14 range is doing. But also there are bigger factors at play here, which is increasing competition in the high end and also... Uh, weak consumer sentiment at yeah. this point. T- timing is is everything, isn't it? Timing um, is everything. Okay, uh, before we uh, wrap up, let's uh, do uh, stat of the week. Uh, was, what was it? It was 31 million units. Uh, the number of... 31 minute, million units sold. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the number of uh, Call of Duty games sold in... I, you always like to go with the Qs, so I could get Q1 you, of this year. No, you're right. It's so it's the <laughs> <laughs> you're kind of right. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's lots of different Call of Duties. There's loads of them. There's a whole series. Yeah. So, the best-selling Call of Duty is the 2010 one, Call of Duty Black Ops. Right. And uh, that sold 31 million units. Of all, uh, that was in total. all time. Oh, yeah, in time. total. Is that a lot? I don't know. That's quite a lot. That's okay. A right. yeah. um, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the, because there's so many Call of Duties and they do so well all the time, it's one of the top-selling games as a, as a, as a franchise of all time. You know, it's up there. Uh, but for me, the st- start of the week is $69 billion. So that's, that's... That was last week's start of the week, wasn't it? <laughs> no, Yeah, so... I think it was. Was it? <laughs> It was. <laughs> we were pre- pre- predicted what was going to happen. Um, okay, uh, we'll leave it there. That's it for this episode. Before you uh, go, please follow and subscribe to the show. And as I mentioned at the top, if you have any questions on tech, remember you can email beyondthevalley at cnbc.com and we will attempt to answer them on the pod. Thank you, Arjun. Thanks, Tom. We'll be back next week for another episode of Beyond the Valley. Goodbye. Beyond the Valley.